Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Aliyah Dolan Johnson, author of the new YA novel, The Library of Broken Worlds. Aliyah's most recent novel for adults, Trouble the Saints, won the 2021 World Fantasy Award for Best Novel. Her debut YA novel, The Summer Prince, was long-listed for the National Book Award for Young People's Literature, and the follow-up, Love is the Drug, was awarded the Andre Norton Nebula Award. And Leah Bartigo, New York Times bestselling author, wrote about Aliyah's latest novel, Mysterious, Sweeping, Wholly Original, and Anchored by an Extraordinary Heroine as Wily as She is Vulnerable. Johnson has crafted a story so immersive it will leave you drunk with visions of strange worlds and new gods, so compelling you'll be happy to drown in this dizzying, bloody brew of technology, lore, and world-shaking conflict. Aliyah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jeff. I am so happy to be here. Absolutely. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your new novel, The Library of Broken Worlds, how would you describe the novel? Yeah, so it is a a science fiction, uh, far future, galaxy spanning, um, kind of big idea science fiction novel. Um, and it's it's something, it's a kind of science fiction that I always loved reading growing up, like in the tradition of Octavia Butler and uh sam samuel delaney and uh and uh, ursula Le Guin. That? um samuel delaney and ursula Le Guin. and it's it's basically uh the kind of science fiction that really expands your view of the world and makes you see things differently and that's that's very much what i wanted to bring to the young adult audience that's wonderful do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to writing the library of broken worlds well, going to have to be honest here. It happened. The original, original idea came to me one day in the shower. It's a little, it's a little cliched, but <laughs> that was what happened. And I was, I was actually in the middle of, of serious edits for my last young adult novel um, when that was coming out. So this was a while ago, uh, Love is a Drug in 2014. And I was, um, I had no time, essentially, this is when ideas always come to you. I had no time to even think about this. And next thing I knew, I had this, this practically fully formed vision in my head of this young woman who was leaving the place of her birth. She was leaving her home, and I knew her home was a library. Um, and I knew it was, it, w- it was an oasis in the middle of a giant desert, and that she was crossing this entirely uninhabitable desert in order to escape the library and confront a god who quite possibly was going to kill her. Now, did I understand what the library was? Did I know what this god was? Did I know why she was doing this? No. But I I just that that idea came and it was so clear and I just kept thinking about it and I kept thinking about it as I worked on other things and eventually, you know, the rest of the story kind of came out of the mist to me and I spent the next 7 years working on it. And and I I had read that you you spent seven years working on it. Was that because you were working on other things? How, how did that work for you? Yeah, you know it's so funny. I feel like I I get slower and slower as I get older <laughs> as a writer. I'm not sure what's going to happen for the next book, but this time a lot of it was I was also working on Trouble the Saints, uh, my adult novel that came out um, in 2020, <laughs> 2020. and um, it, but I was I was also 
thinking about it a lot. So a lot of my writing process is just kind of like letting things settle in and and waiting for the fruits to come out, you know. And so I I was I was working on on revising Trouble of Saints, and then I I wrote a kind of skeleton draft of of um, what became the Library of Broken Worlds. And then I left that for a while. I went back to writing. I was writing short stories. Um, and then I would come back to it. So I kind of had this process of of seven months to a year on, and then seven months off. Um, but there were a lot of rewrites, a lot of of kind of page one rewrites where I really had to dig in, um, and and think through the world building more and more. I mean, by the time I I I had my major rewrite, I I ended up having you know just pages. Stacks of notes about all sorts of things with maps and the monetary system and how <laughs> treaty worked and, and, and it's the constitutional system of appeals and what kind of judges there were. And I mean, everything. I, I, this, I just had so many details and I didn't use most of them. They're not explicitly there, but I needed to have those ideas. I needed to have the world fully realized within me so that it felt immersive to the reader. That's amazing. Why did you decide to set the novel in a library? Yeah, so, you know, I think you can probably relate to this. Your listeners can probably relate to this. But, I mean, for me, growing up, libraries were everything. They were my sanctuary. They they were my safe space. I, I just going in and smelling old books made me happy. And I would sit in the library in the stacks. I would, for hours, I would go to the... Library of Congress, the Jefferson Building in Washington D.C., where I grew up, and I would sit in that cupola, like underneath the like the great cupola with the with the Greek statues and the the friezes. You know, I mean, it was just so overwhelming. You, know, you feel so tiny, and you know, underneath your feet, there's just layers and layers of books, and and you aren't even allowed to go there. You have to write your name and the book you want on a slip of paper, and it magically comes to you. I mean, just everything about it felt magical, <laughs> and I, I knew that when I was constructing this world that um, Freda, my main character, that she was from a library. And what did that mean? You know, eventually I came up with, well, there's artificial intelligences that are massive. They, they are so advanced that humans consider them to be material gods. And they have encompassed all of humanity's knowledge and they carry it with them. And they have burrowed themselves under the earth in these um, tunnels that are kind of like arteries and veins. It's like the sort of their physical bodies, their manifestations. And, and my main character was born there. And so a lot of, of what I ended up doing was, was imagining that original feeling of, of knowing that there's so much knowledge beneath me and that some people have access to it and who even knows how many worlds are under there and how much knowledge and interesting things that I could find there. And then imagining a character who was born in the middle of that, who has this unique access to it. Um, and, and what she learns through that, you know, what's the difference for you in terms of writing why versus adult, uh, novels. We talked about earlier, your, your idea for this novel. Did you know going in that it was going to be YA? I did. It was it was always a young adult novel to me. And you know, that's I love that question because I do write for adults and young adults. Um and to me, the difference is not about um reading level, certainly not. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I write the way I write <laughs> and the things that I love and that are part of of to me great literature are as much a part of my young adult books as they are part of my adult books. 
what the real difference to me is that young adult novels are about a very specific moment in, de- in, in our development as humans. That moment when you look around the world and you come face to face with the differences between what people told you the world was like and what the world is really like. When you start to really see and understand the complexity of our world, all of its beauty, but also its injustices, you know, and, and me, that moment where you get turned around and you look at yourself and you're reflected and you're, and you see the way the world is broken and the way people try to deny that. I mean, I've never lost that feeling. I've never, I've never lost that inner 17 year old. And, and to me, that's what YA is for. YA is because I want to be in that moment with a character. And so whatever that means, that's, that's how I get there. I want to tell this story from a character who's living through that moment. And when I write adult, it's about someone who's already gone through that or someone who's already repressed that moment and is trying to um, go through the world in a way that might be more exploitative, you know? And so a lot of that I think is, is more the terrain of adult fiction, which is like, what do you do once you've lived for a while and you're participating in that world? Whereas young adult fiction is about what do you do when you're on the cusp of entering it? Like what choices do you make? Well, what was your original writing journey that led you to writing and getting your first short stories and your first novel published? Yeah, you know, I've I've been someone who's wanted to write for all my life, as far as I can tell. I mean, you know, I was I was a young child, and my mom, for some reason, decided to teach me to read when I was around three. Um, I, I'm sure I asked her, but I think I was her first child, and so I think she sort of didn't didn't occur to her that maybe <laughs> that was a little precocious of an age to teach someone to read. So like. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't a great reader, but I definitely, you know, figured out how to put the letters together. And I was off to the races as far as I was concerned. Like, I got it. I got this. Like, every book is now my oyster. And I was so excited. I mean, just the joy of that, of of looking at all around me and knowing that each one of these books had something new and different. And, like, I could experience it and no one would even know I was experiencing it. You know, I could be reading totally wild things and my parents wouldn't know necessarily i mean they for better for worse they didn't read my books you know they didn't read over my shoulder so i felt a lot of freedom in that also and um you know i th- i think that when i when i really figured out what a novel was i said oh i want to do that you know and so i i started writing little stories and and you know and that that worked for a while then i i wrote um some novels like in high school they were fan fiction novels so they weren't, they weren't for getting published or anything. It was just a nice way of practicing. Um, and, and then I think I wrote my first, like, fully complete non-fan fiction novel in college. Um, and that was quite a learning experience. <laughs> I, it was hugely bloated. I mean, it was, it was I swear, it was like 300,000 words. I mean, I, I went and I got these books, you know, on editing. And I read them and I just was appalled. Like every single thing that they said, like, don't do, don't use words other than said. I did not use said once, I think. (laughs) You know, it was was things like, like, stay away from too many adjectives. It was like every single dialogue tag had an adjective (laughs) after it, you know, like everything. And I, and I just sat there reading this book and I went, oh no. And I went back to my novel and it was, talk about having like your perspective changed. I looked back at it and I was like, oh, this is terrible. You know, and I thought I was a genius. Um, 
So, <laughs> so I learned a lot. I probably learned more about writing, editing that novel than I, I did at any other time before or since, you know, because I mean, I, I always learning, I'm always growing, but, but there was, there was a big learning curve and the change in the quality of my writing from before and after was pretty intense. That novel is not published or anything, but it was, it was, I'm very grateful to it because it really taught me a lot about writing. Um, and, and, and it gave me in a lot of ways, my voice. Um, and then I, I my first short story was published, um, in gosh, I was 24, I think. Um, it was published in, in Interzone. Well, you mentioned earlier the world building for your new novel, uh, The Library of Broken Worlds. What What is your writing process? It sounds like uh, you obviously do a lot of world building that, that may or may not show up in the story. Mm-hmm. Are you someone who also does an extensive outline before writing the first word? How does that work for you? Yeah, you know, it's funny because I feel like I'm kind of halfway between like what we colloquially call like a pantser, which is, you know, I just write whatever and then mm-hmm. fix it later in a plotter, which is, you know, in their most extreme incarnations of people who have Excel scenes, uh, <laughs> you know, like one cell and then like the line is like describes like the characters and what they're doing and the beats you're hitting. And then, then they start to write. I mean, I certainly don't do that. I, I do extensively write through the ideas I want to um, convey. And I also write like kind of as far as I can get to the plot that I think should happen. But what ends up happening is that I'll write it out. I, I, I'm just a very much like a handwriting kind of person. So I have these Moleskine notebooks that I just fill with this stuff. And I, and I just write out as far as I can go, you know, I might write to the end, but you can see like the beginning is a lot more detailed than the end. And then I'll start working. And then at some point I'll realize that I'm deviating or what I thought was going to happen wasn't working at all. So then I'll pause and I'll go back and I'll just start from where I'm up to where I've written to. And then I'll keep going until I think I've worked out like the next section, you know? So I just, I just kind of constantly go back and forth between Mm -hmm. sort of outlining, but more it's, it's, but it's more of a big idea, kind of like, I want to convey this and then this character does this. And then I start to write it and things, things change, you know? So I don't, I don't fight it when things change, but there's a point at which I say, okay, I got to go back because I don't want to let this get too far ahead of me because when I've done that, I just can't even finish the book. It's a night, it's a nightmare. <laughs> so I need, I need some plan. Do you do extensive revisions after you reach the end since you're, you're already revising as you go along? Um, yes. <laughs> yes, I do. In fact, <laughs> uh, this is, I think part of the reason why I'm, I'm getting slower <laughs> as I get older because I keep revising more. Um, and I think that's also because because my ideas and the world building in particular are getting more complicated. And and I I like that. I mean, I I feel that that's that's where my voice and my vision wants to go. But it does mean that I have um, I had experience this time of you know I wrote the first draft and I was very pleased with it. But it was really clear that I had you know my main character and the general arc was working but there's so many like little details i had barely included because i was trying to kind of keep it down to a certain word count and i hadn't fully developed the world i thought i had i mean i had a ton of world building but when i went back and looked i realized i didn't so like i didn't have enough you know so that was when i went back and i did a ton of extra world building and then i ended up rewriting 80% of the book you know i mean truly <laughs> like 80% wow. is in uh is in an extra folder in Scrivener because I I just had to take a whole new scene. 
Well, are you working on a new novel now? I am. I'm working, I'm kind of in between two. I, I have an adult novel that's uh, very much based on my experiences as an immigrant in Mexico, um, where I moved nine years ago. And um, it's also fantasy. It's kind of more fantasy uh, in a sense that it's not in the future. It's in kind of an alternate world. And I'm working on a sequel with different characters, but very much in the world of the Library of Broken Worlds. So that's super exciting. What writing advice would you offer for those who are writing their own stories or novels? You know, I think trusting yourself is hugely important. And it's it's hard to figure out how to do it. I mean this by saying, like, you know, we know that we have to revise. We have to look at our work critically. We have to be able to see what we have achieved and also how far we are from our vision and and what's necessary to hopefully reach it. Um, and trying to figure out the balance between trusting yourself and also being critical of yourself is is just a constant balancing act. So I feel like <laughs> in in that sense, like, you know, my advice is is to really pay attention as much as you can to what your gut is telling you. Not just, you know, I love that line, but is this working? Like, is it really working? Or is it close to what you want, but it's not actually there, you know? And and I think that's a lot of self-honesty. You know, I think I think that with a lot of self-honesty, you can you can walk that line of being critical and also supportive and 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 honest with yourself because people are going to tell you that things are wrong. And sometimes, you know, that's perfectly accurate. And sometimes what they're saying is what you are doing is too different. What you are doing isn't what I expect. And what I expect is often what society has trained me to expect. It's what the dominant narrative tells me is the right kind of narrative. But if you're from a marginalized perspective, if you come from a different world, you know, that might not be at all what you want to write. And I think trying, making sure that you're true to yourself so that you don't get sidelined or feel that you have to write a certain kind of story or do a certain kind of thing a certain way, just because that's like the dominant narrative that we have. I mean, that's so important because it's your voice. It's your own story. And no one can tell that story but you. So, so try to figure out what part of the criticism can help you create your own story and what part of it is, is going to make you be untrue to yourself. That's great advice. Well, what novels have you read recently that you enjoyed? Um, I have, goodness gracious. I feel like whenever people ask me this question, I'm like, <laughs> I read so many novels and yet as soon as someone asks me, it like wanders away from my brain. So I, I really loved, um, what is that? C.S.E. Cooney uh, had a recent novel out that I adored. Um, I think it's called St. Death's Daughter. Um, and it's, uh, it's really cool. I just, I just, I feel like her world building, it's very much fantasy, but her world building and her sensibility, the, the warmth of the relationships between these characters, even though they're in, in extremely complicated and sometimes violent situations and, and also like the world building, the, the, the way that she, she had a society that has so much kind of gender fluidity built into it without it being um, like a big deal, you know, so much queerness and just so many different ways of thinking about gods and religion. I mean, I really haven't read anything quite like it in a while. I, I really, I really love that book. 
Where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your novels and short stories? Yeah. So I have a website, which is aliadonjohnson.com. So that's like the basic stuff. You can you can get in touch with me there. I uh, honestly will respond to emails a lot more than social media reach out. <laughs> so find, like, get my email address, which is there. Um, and But I am on social media, sort of. Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram as aliadj. And yeah, so the book is coming out tomorrow. So also, if you happen to be in the LA area, uh, you can <laughs> you can uh, come out and and meet me. That's wonderful. Well, again, we've been speaking to Aliyah Dolan Johnson, author of the new YA novel, The Library of Broken Worlds. The novel is available now, so go buy a copy. And Aliyah, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you so much. This was great. Absolutely. A girl and a god, alone in communion. The god awakes as he was meant to. He is furious. I'll kill you like I killed the others, the ones with your face. The girl is her own light in the darkness. I'm dying anyway. A virus can't kill you as fast as I can, he says. But you, great Namorin, the Namaru Katra, the Tezcatlapa, Aurochs, whose great horns are crescents of twin moons, whose testes swing like the bells of war. Are you laughing? It is a fine, wide laugh. You won't kill me, O oh first and greatest material god. Why not, O oh girl who should not exist? Who else can you talk to? Without me, you'll slide back into your blood-laced sleep for another five centuries. The god doesn't move from his darkness. You came here to kill me. Maybe my sisters came to kill you. I know you. But I haven't. You were made for me, he says. And she says, I am a creature built from a dream, designed for deicide. What? That's what Nadi... My watcher once told me, No human can kill a god. Not even a human created for the purpose. The girl lifts her chin. Then why not keep me around a little longer? Unfortunately for my creators, I have free will. I didn't come here for deicide. The god is suspicious. For what, then? To wake you up, all of you. They made me sleep. I've lost time, centuries, generations and generations. What do you remember? There was a war, a long war. The Awilu who made me against the Maham who fed me. And I let the Maham lose, somehow. Do you remember the library? The god considers. There is a dream I have of a disc spinning in space like a plate on a potter's wheel, lit by a red-orange sun and two dancing moons. The library is a dream, Namorin, a dream of peace built on a grave, guarded by four drowsing gods. The library is where all stories start and where they all return before they die. I know 
I'll never see it again. Why not? You're not the only one who wants to kill me.